Blog Talk well, Radio. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Blog Talk Radio's uh, dashboard is completely locked up and I can't get to it, so I'm just calling in and we'll have no music tonight, no recorded messages unless uh, it decides to come back up. And you never know with Blog Talk Radio, it's a wacky thing and maybe, maybe it will. We'll just see. We're on episode number 161 tonight, and it is a cold and they say snowy day here in Tennessee. We're supposed to get snow tonight. I'll believe, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but let's see, why don't we? And uh, I don't know how the weather is where you are, but I hope you're staying warm. Uh, tonight we're going to start, I'm very excited about this too, uh, we're going to start a series um, on... A new thought, and we've discussed this before. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years since we've explored uh, the subject of new thought. And um, uh, new thought, of course, is what the Crystal Silence League is all about. Uh, when Mr. Conlon founded the new the uh, Crystal Silence League, um, he did so from the framework of new thought. And uh, he was an advocate of new thought. He published books about new thought, and he wrote a lot about New Thought. There's a five-volume series called uh, The Real Inner Secrets of Psychology, five volumes, all about New Thought and New Thought techniques. And he pioneered, using the principles of New Thought, a, uh, a whole new science of crystallomancy. Uh, people have been using crystal balls for centuries, of course, for scrying purposes, but Mr. Conlon formed four branches of crystallomancy, which we shall discuss uh, in due time. Um, but first, I think we should probably go to our crystal of the week, which is uh, Ulexite. And if you ever looked at Ulexite, it's a very interesting crystal. It's a naturally occurring optical fiber. And if you place this, usually it's usually sold in thin slabs, maybe half an inch thick, up to an inch thick. And uh, even a six-inch thick slab usually works if it's good enough. Uh, but if you place this on top of a like written material or a picture, and then if you look at it uh, from more or less a right angle, looking down upon the surface, uh, you will see that written material reflected in the top of the stone. And it will pull it from the page and bring it to the surface, which is quite alarming and astonishing and surprising when you first see it. You go, well, how can this be? Well, it's the optical nature of that crystal. And so um, it's uh, very interesting. Um, and they're usually uh, milky white in color. Um, if you're going to get one, try to find one that's fairly clear if you want to do this optical uh, trick with it. Um, so um, I believe this is very similar uh, to moonstone or selenite, and so don't get it wet. Um, if you need to cleanse it or clean it or discharge it, uh, do so in salt and put it in moonlight. Um, now, what can you use it for? Well, I will tell you that uh, placed upon the third eye, it can really enhance your clairvoyance, um, uh, your clairaudience, your clairvoyance, uh, telepathy. Um, 
it can be used for uh, any of the third eye uh, skills. You can see clearly if you're, if you're in a state of confusion and you want to see the truth quickly, place this on your third eye, lay back and meditate on whatever problems may be bothering you. This is uh, also a very good stone to um, go through writer's block or through um, uh, creative stagnation. Lay back, put it on your uh, forehead for a little bit, then place it over your heart, place it on your forehead, place it on your heart until you break through that particular block. Um, I'll tell you that... um, this is a, a phenomenal little crystal. Uh, I've um, used it quite a bit in healing. It's a, uh, it's programmable, like a lot of the quartz crystals. You can uh, bring it in proximity, lay it on top of other crystals, and it will bring their qualities to its uh, upper surface, and then. You can place that over different chakras, etc. So uh, making an elixir of it, remember, don't put it in water. You'll wind up with a bunch of salt, basically. Um, so what you want to do is place this in a glass or in a vial or in a little jar and uh, submerge that in your liquid. And if you do that, uh, place it in the moonlight, uh, do what you need to do, and uh, you'll... Um, let that sit overnight, and then you'll have you a nice elixir. Remove the jar, of course. Add a few drops of brandy so your elixir won't grow mold or anything. Uh, you know, nothing is more disgusting than you bring down your uh, decanter of elixir, and it's got mold and algae in it. It's kind of gross. Um, but that's uh, Ulexite, our crystal of the week. The Crystal Silence League was founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of distributing positive prayer and affirmation to all those in need of such. And uh, with the idea that uh, people would send him prayers, and through the agency of the Crystal Ball, he would send back uh, not only answers to their prayer, but a positive and healing uh, affirmation. And this became so popular and people wanted their own crystal balls. He produ- he produced them. He had a publishing house. He produced literature, instructions, uh, pamphlets, books uh, on how to do this yourself. Probably sold thousands of crystal balls and uh, with instructions to uh, use them. Crystal balls in every color, and we'll talk about that in a little bit at some point. Why do you have balls of different colors? Well, because you use different colors for different conditions. You use green for money, pink or red for love. Red is good for power and control, though. You might use amber for healing, for instance. These uh, we'll talk about at some point. So when Mr. Conlon passed away about 1954, I think, um, he took the league with him. Then adepts of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, as it is now known, brought it back to life about 2007, cybernetically. And you can find us at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And if you go there, by golly, guess what you see? Us. And uh, there's a page uh, where you can post prayers, prayer requests. And we get 
sometimes 200 prayers a week. And it's been my custom to read some of these. I can't read them all. Um, we'd be here all night. Yeah, but it would be interesting, though, I, I guess. But I can only uh, call down the Spirit so long. I'd be tired after about an hour of this. Um, but I, I, I read these loud. I found uh, this was a very popular part of the show because people love to pray. And you understand what you send out, you receive. When you pray for others, you, you too are blessed. And so let's start with this. And I always identify these by prayer ID. I never name anybody's name. So let's start with prayer ID 78047, who says, Bless my good sister and keep her in prayer as she goes into surgery for colon cancer Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. May she make a full recovery. Blessed be. Amen. And prayer ID 78046, who says, I took a credentialing exam that I have poured all into. Please pray that I receive confirmation that I passed in December. Prayer ID 78045. Please pray with me and my coworkers. We were all promised that we could work remote up to three days per week as a condition of our employment. Now the company is saying everyone has to be in five days a week despite our living 30 to 40 miles away. We're feeling devastated that our lives will be upended along with our families. This would impact our income negatively, and we need this decision rescinded or special exceptions made for us. Please hear our prayers, O Lord, we pray. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 78044. I ask that E... And I become closer and better friends like we were years ago. I ask that her other friends no longer influence her and that she sees them for who they are. I guess that E sees that I have always been a great friend to her, always there for her. Please have her forgive me for anything I've done to upset her. I'm grateful for the prayers. Blessings to all who read this prayer. Amen. Prayer ID 78042. I would like a prayer from my sister S.W., or for my sister S.W., I guess she meant, that she has good health and fight any health issues past and present so that she can live a long life with my niece. I also pray that she's successful in anything she's currently pursuing and that her finances are steady. Amen. And pray right 78043, who says, Help, I'm in trouble. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I have heart disease and teeth have fallen out. I'm in trouble. I've developed fluid metabolism issues, such as migraine and congestive heart disease. Please place Our Lady of Guadalupe, Optomai, Epitome, Siasoy, Kyrios, Marinantha, around R, the subject of this illness. I hope I pronounced most of that right. Prayer ID 78040. Please pray that the military grant my upgraded discharge code and also grant me my military retirement. Amen. Prayer ID 78038. Thank you for praying. I go back to the dentist in a few minutes and hope all goes well. 
Dear spirits, give me relief in the confidence I seek to communicate clearly with the doctor, and all goes well with me. Amen. Prayer ID 78035. I pray that I will find a suitable home for myself when it is safe, warm, and affordable. Please answer my prayers. Amen. Oh, let's do one more. Prayer ID 78030. I pray I find a good paying job with benefits that work around the fact I have four kids. Amen. And prayer ID... Seven eight zero two five. I pray that whatever or whoever put a cur- curse on me and my kids or future and lives and lives that it will be removed. And pray we can keep any and every curse off of us that whomever have cursed us will be revealed and backfired. Amen. And usually at this point we have a uh, moment of. Uh, silent prayer for all those in need of comfort and support and affirmation and we usually do this to music but my blog talk radio dashboard is completely frozen up so let's just have a moment of silence for all those in need of prayer Amen Well, our subject tonight is uh, New Thought, and we're going to look at the history of New Thought and some of the practices. And uh, I I want to tell you that New Thought most likely started – there were various people who have taken credit for starting it. Uh, um, But uh, I'll I'll tell you that it had its foundations in – German Romanticism and the teachings of Ralph Waldo Emerson in Hinduism and Buddhism. But for all intents and purposes, a very strange and interesting fellow named Phineas Parkhurst Quimby, who was a uh, a spiritual teacher, a mesmerist, which is a hypnotist, uh, an inventor. Um, and a prolific author was fundamental in its early development. Now, there are, again, um, other people who have taken credit for it. Um, Probably most notably, um, 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 gosh, there's uh, Julius Dresser, um, and of course, Mary Baker Eddy, uh, went off and founded Christian Science. Um, um, now, uh, there's a fellow named Warren Evans who published a, quite a few books on uh, Quimby's practice. Um, and uh, Charles Rody Patterson was a very interesting fellow. He um, was a Canadian expatriate, and he was a publisher, author, and editor of New Thought Literature. And many, when he died in the early 20th century, uh, many people labeled him the movement's leader. 
Um, so uh, there were quite a few people who were involved in this. Uh, Florence Scoville Shin, um, William Walker Atkinson, uh, many, many people. Now, we can't look at Phineas Quimby without looking at some of his backstory. And I'll tell you that he was... Uh, he was born in a small town in New Hampshire. He was uh, had a large family. He had uh, he was one of seven children. His father was a blacksmith. Um, he didn't have very much in the way of formal education. Um, so um, when he was a child, he had uh, tuberculosis, and he was prescribed uh, a, a remedy that began to rot his teeth out. So he threw that away and began experimenting with his own ideas for curing illnesses. And he found that intense excitement would alleviate his pain for brief periods of time. And he became very interested in the mind's ability to affect the body. Now, it's unclear how he found his ultimate cure, but it was not through medicine. He believe that you could cure yourself and he called this the mind cure by changing the way you thought now do you believe that you can think yourself well and um, um, do you believe that this is um, possible well you can think yourself sick right um, and uh, I, I want to uh, I'm lost without my studio here um, so um, as a mesmerist he was intrigued with uh, Franz Anton Mesmer who believed in a thing called magnetic fluid that could emanate from your fingertips animal magnetism and uh, Mesmer would uh, put his subject in a chair, lay them down, pass his hands over them. They would fall into a somnambulistic coma, uh, deep sleep. And he said this could cure. Um, 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 illnesses and things. So... Um, could it? Well, many people reported cures, and in fact, many of the people who went on to find and found uh, New Thought organizations were patients of, of Quimby's. Um, so, can it? I'm, I'm going to uh, give you a story, and maybe I've told this before, but um, it's in the Annals of Medicine, it's called... Uh, it's a um, example of the placebo effect. I believe it's more than that, although I've been reading articles recently where um, scientific studies have given a new light to what's called the placebo effect. Because usually the placebo effect is poo-pooed, right? Because you know, skeptics say, well, homeopathic remedies, that's just the placebo effect. And calling what happens when the mind and the body work together just anything is, uh, in my mind, childish. But I'll tell you that uh, 
in the uh, American Medical Association um, uh, journal in um, 1978, um, a very dramatic placebo effect was reported by a fellow named Dr. Bruno Koffler. And he was a researcher involved in the testing of a new drug for cancer called Krebozin. And uh, in uh, 1950, Krebozin received – oh, this was – yeah, back in the 50s. That's right. Krebozin had received great publicity by its inventors as a cure for cancer, and it was being tested by the AMA and the FDA for that particular purpose. So one of Dr. Koffler's patients had lymphosarcoma, which is a very advanced malignancy involving the lymph nodes. So this patient had huge tumors throughout his body, and he was in such desperate condition that he frequently had to take oxygen by mask, and fluid had to be removed from his chest every two days. And when the patient discovered that Dr. Kopfler was involved in this Krebozin uh, research, he begged him. He said, please, please, let me be part of his study. Dr. Kopfler did so, and the patient's recovery was nothing short of miraculous. Within a short time, the tumors had shrunk almost to nothing, and the patient was able to resume a normal life. Now, here's the thing. Here's the rub. The AMA and FDA reported that Krebiosin was not a cure for anything. This became widely circulated. It was in all the media. Krebiosin doesn't cure anything. Doesn't cure cancer. Wouldn't cure a cold. Wouldn't cure a headache. Then the patient, upon hearing this, took a turn for the worse. The tumors came back. So, Dr. Koffler, showing unusual imagination, um, told his patient that he had obtained a new super-refined double-strength Ultra mega cryobiosin that would produce better results. And in reality, Koffler was injecting saline. And yet, this time, the patient's recovery was even more miraculous. The tumors disappeared, the chest fluid vanished, and the patient went back to his normal life. He remained symptom free for two months. For two months. Unfortunately, further stories of the AMA and FDA's tests appeared in the press. Nationwide tests show Krebiosin to be worthless drug treatment of cancer. And within a week, that patient was dead. Within a week. So mind seems to be an interface between the physical body and something else. Hey, uh, Blog Talk is up. If you'd like to come in and uh, join us in chat, you can now. Yay, thanks. Uh, So mind is an interface between the physical body and some immense type of healing power. Well, what is this healing power? Well, let's take a look at um, 
some of the principles of New Thought. Uh, I do want to tell you a little bit about. Well, first of all, New Thought uh, spawned a bewildering variety of organizations, and if you'd like to know what New Thought is, um, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Divine Science uh, Unity. Uh, Unity School of Christianity. Um, oh my goodness gracious! Uh, the Universal Foundation for Better Living, International New Thought Alliance, Affiliated New Thought Network. Um, let me um, come up with another whole list: um, Christian Science, Religious Science, Unity Church of Divine Science, the Home of Truth, and Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, our own mother church. Or all New Thought churches. So, Quimby believed that all ailments, every one of them, uh, mental as well as physical, had their origins in the mind. And he said, if your mind had been deceived by some invisible enemy into a belief, you have put it into the form of a disease, with or without your knowledge. By my theory or truth, I come in contact with your enemy and restore you to health and happiness. This I do partly mentally and partly by talking until I correct the wrong impression and establish the truth, and the truth is the cure. So this mind cure that Quimby pioneered consisted basically of him reasoning with his patients until they arrived at the truth. And the truth in Quimby's mind, his definition, was a healthier state of mind which he defined as an acceptance of reality free from wishful thinking and delusions. And he reported many, many cures and many, many success stories. So as this movement, the New Thought movement, took hold, um, Quimby's students and 20th century followers drew further ideas from all the world's great philosophies. They found out this is a very, very old truth. Um, they drew from uh, Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, spiritualism, uh, idealism, transcendentalism, even the science of evolution, and even practical materialism. So, Quimby was not a churchgoer. He he was a theist, but not a churchgoer. Um, even though his teachings did lead to many Christian branches of um of uh, New Thought. So because of the uh, wide range of uh, sources of New Thought, you know, this is a stew with many ingredients. The boundaries between religious, secular, and metaphysical boundaries are very fluid. So if you if you want to distinguish one from the other, it helps to know that uh, religious New Thought practitioners have uh, augmented or added to Quimby's mind cure and truth with the concept of affirmative prayer. And secular New Thought practitioners emphasize the self-help concept of will. And metaphysical New Thought thinkers bring into play the magical concept of influence. Let's have some, I can actually do this now, yay, let's have some station identification and we'll come back with more about New Thought. 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And I see there's 31 minutes left of the show, so are you seriously telling me it took 30 minutes to load my blog talk internet interface to bring my studio up? This is crazy. Every week it's something. Every week it's something. So what are the principal beliefs of the New Thought Movement? Well, I'll tell you that every school, every branch of New Thought has some variation of it. But most of the uh, branches of New Thought share most of these core beliefs that there is an infinite, omnipotent, and omnipresent consciousness sometimes called divine mind, spirit, also called God, which is the ultimate changeless eternal reality. Furthermore, true human nature is divine in its nature. We create our life experience through our way of thinking. Thoughts manifest as reality. Divinely attuned thought is the ultimate force for good. We seek divine harmony the normal state of life is health right thinking has a healing effect I just remind you of the Krebausen story the goal of life is complete emancipation from all discord we move from chaos to harmony and knowledge of these principles is not enough no an intellectual Understanding of these principles is not enough. We must live them. Now, I'll I'll start with something that everybody's familiar with, unfortunately, because it's been marketed by charlatans forever, the law of attraction. And if you're familiar with the law of attraction, then you understand one, just one, of the underlying premises of new thought. Um, Unfortunately, most of the proponents of the law of attraction don't understand fully the true power of mind, which is that mental states can change reality. Most law of attraction gurus seem to teach wish fulfillment. You wish for some, you wish for something strong enough and something will happen. In new thought wishing is a passive activity. There's no real conviction behind it. And this is why most people only get small or not non existent returns when they practice the law of attraction. Uh, Mechanically reciting affirmations and desires, this will bring out about limited rewards. And most of the motivational trainers and coaches I've known of have only scratched the, the tiniest surface of the potential power available through proper practice of mental induction. So in a nutshell, the fundamental principle is very simple. Mental states manifest in daily life. Thoughts become real. A little more complicated in practice, but that's it. And first of all, 
let's be clear, that's not a metaphor. When you successfully change your mental programming, reality will literally change around you. Your luck improves. Prosperity increases. You attract better friends and lovers. People who didn't notice you become suddenly uh, more respectful. Your boss will notice you. You make better decisions. You're no longer a victim of fate. You're the master of fate. Now, that sounds really good, doesn't it? And it's a matter of changing the way you think. Furthermore, you can go beyond just attracting good things in your life. There's a principle called silent influence. And it's a very powerful and a very terrifying thing. There was a speaker, a radio personality named Earl Nottingale, and he talked about the strange secret. And this strange secret was basically the law of attraction. He said those things that you, you affirm strongly will come to you. And that's true. The other strange secret is silent influence. Not a myth, and there's nothing supernatural about it. And many very powerful pre people have practiced it throughout history and continue to practice it today. Now, many people don't believe that silent influence exists. They don't accept the possibility that the mental influence of one person can change reality. If you find yourself skeptical, look at history and pay particular attention to Alexander the Great, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Napoleon, the Buddha, Jesus Christ, and Adolf Hitler. And silent influence is not a hidden secret at all, at all. It's been known about for thousands of years. Uh, successful politicians use it. The most charismatic and powerful speakers and spiritual leaders possess this power. Many people quietly call upon it to get what they want in the world. And silent influence is probably the single most important skill Mr. Conlon identified in his writings as the, the foremost secret to success. And we'll take, we'll take a look at that in great detail later. So there was a New Thought author, and his name was Napoleon Hill. Many people know him from Think and Grow Rich, uh, which is an excellent book. And uh, he suggested in a book he wrote called The Law of Success that the secret of success is the golden rule. So the golden rule, of course, is doing to others as you would have them doing unto you. Now, only about helping others, he proposes, will we be successful. He also points out in this book a very interesting thing. He said, if the desire for prosperity builds in us until it's a burning obsession, then we'll invariably make money. And this seems to be a paradox. If we're obsessed with a goal, how can we help others? No. We have to practice our intentions and our projections and our influences and our attractions as if we're on fire. But we also have to practice this and temper this with compassion. If we gain success at the expense of another's, it's a bitter and lonely victory. It's also a tower that looks very strong and mighty, but it's built on sand. Again, just take a look at history. Don't take my word for these things. Check them out. Look at history. How many mighty conquerors how many ambitious people 
rose to great victory and then plummeted to defeat. Caesar had Brutus. Napoleon had his water, not Napoleon Hill, but Bonaparte had his Waterloo. And Hitler, from all accounts, died in utter despair in his bunker in Berlin. So intention is everything. Make sure your intentions are clear and wholesome and beneficial. So this intention thing, this intention thing will prepare us for either success or failure. There was a new thought author. Her name was Florence Scovel Shin. And I first came across this book when I was, uh, she wrote a book called uh, The Game of Life and How to Play It. And I remember looking at that and saying, it says how to play it, not how to win it. <laughs> and I was a young man at about uh, 19. I was working in a warehouse at the time. Uh, a recent father uh, had no idea how I was going to get through a day, much less a week or a month. Uh, trying to put myself through school, too, the first time I was in college, and it was just a – I can't even fathom it. I, I tried to think about what it was like back then, and I don't even think I can. Um, and I came across this book, and I thought, I, I'll, re I, I'll, I'll read it. I will read it because I'm a voracious reader. I'll read anything. But I worked in a book warehouse, and here was this book, The Game of Life and How to Play It. And it intrigued me because it didn't say how to win it. If it said The Game of Life and How to Win It, I never would have looked at it because how many bullshit books are there like that? Um, so I didn't want to be told winners, losers, you know, all this stuff. So um, how to play it? I thought, okay, yeah, yeah. And I was intrigued. And uh, Florence Scovelshin, of course, is a uh, well-loved writer in New Thought and led me eventually to other books. But I began to get the inkling, and I desperately wanted to believe this, that my desperate condition was a result of the thought patterns I had learned growing up. And if I could change those thought patterns, I would change my life. And I could always – I remember when I was younger, I had a, a, a propensity for making money. I could always make money, but I couldn't keep it. And I would always be in a good situation. I'd find a good situation, and it would run through my fingers like sand. And, and I thought, why is this? Why is everything I do doomed to failure? Well – it was training. It really was. It was thought patterns. And I will tell you that the power of the word has a lot to do with this. What you're told as you grow up, as you're a child, becomes hardwired, I hate to say it, but programming. And this power, this power that the word has is tremendous because one of the greatest lies you've ever been told is that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Oh, my goodness. A broken bone heals very quickly, and the pain of the broken bone goes away very fast. And you don't even remember the pain. You think back, yeah, I broke my arm. It hurt, but you don't remember the pain. But, man, the damage of hurtful words linger for years and sometimes for a lifetime. Do you think back, like in school, if somebody said something mean to you and it still hurts? Um, hurtful or shameful things that people said, especially people that you trusted, your parents, your lovers, your teachers. Um, these things leave marks. 
So if there's a constant flow of negative dialogue going on in your head, you become obsessed, not as Napoleon Hill suggested with success, but with failure and loneliness and disaster. So there's a, there's a process. You substitute these thoughts with their opposite. When you find yourself thinking a negative thought, you substitute it. And this is something I train my clients daily when they say, well, I can't do that. Turn it around and say, I can do that. You say, well, I don't deserve this. Turn it around and say, I do deserve it. Turn those thoughts around. Just turn them around. We say, man, I can't afford that. Turn that around and say, well, how am I going to afford it? Turn it around. Say, what do I – well, actually, don't make it a question. Say, what do I need to do to uh, afford it? Activate your brain. Activate your mind. Your mind, according to New Thought, is the strongest and most powerful force in the universe. Activate it. Put it to work for you. You see a conundrum. You think, man, I'll, I'll never get out of this. Say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get out of this. And mean it. You can't just say it. You have to mean it because doubt can bury you in this particular game. So I'm reading this book, Florence Scovel Shin. It had very interesting ideas in it. One was that uh, Jesus had wiped clean the karmic debt of mankind. That was the idea when he uh, sacrificed himself. He was the avatar of God, and God said, you don't need karma anymore. There's no more karma. Uh, my son takes it all upon him and wipes it clean so that there was no more karmic debt of mankind that if you um, gave your karma you could give your karmic debt to spirit think about that people go oh my, oh my god I have these karmic links from this and karmic uh, debts from this and that you can give that to spirit because Jesus was this great bodhisattva as we say in Buddhism who took on all the karmic burdens of mankind you know, like in everything in New Thought, you have to ask for it. In New Thought, it's believed that there's a warehouse of stuff that belongs to you. And if you ask for it, you'll receive it. But you have to ask for it, and you have to know how to ask. You can't ask for something that doesn't belong to you. And a lot of times people do. A lot of times people will fall in love with somebody, or they, they think they're in love with somebody, and go, oh, I want that man, I want that woman. But that person is not meant to be with you. And so we do all kinds of spell work. We do all kinds of um, contrived methods to try to get this person, and maybe they work, but the relationship is out of balance. You're not meant to be together. So when we send this out, we don't say, oh, I want to be with my, my hot neighbor. Your hot neighbor may not be yours, but if that hot neighbor is yours, you ask like this. You say, I am ready to be with the person who's I meant to be with. Let's find each other now. And the universe will carry this message to that person because they're looking for you like you're looking for them. And boom, you come together. And this works. I've made it work. I've helped people make it work. Um, if if it doesn't work, then there's other reasons. You know, there's there's something. There's there's reasons. And uh, we'll we'll go into things like. The uh, pre-birth agenda and a few things like that. Otherwise, um, uh, so understand this power word is not limited to verbal speech. Verbal speech is very strong. When you speak, you're casting spells and you're flinging curses. When you speak, 
You do. And people don't understand this. They get on social media, and if you read uh, threads on Facebook or threads on YouTube or things like that, just stop. Just stop because all you're doing is seeing hateful people. Um, it, it's it's uh, the, the anger and hostility is just incredible. And I'm, I see it overflowing into my friends. I have seen that Facebook and other social media has become increasingly more hostile over the past couple of years. Yes, we can blame a certain somebody who incites this, but nobody can make you enter an emotional mental state against your will. You got to be a voluntary player into this. So this constant flow of anger, um, understand what happens inside your head, what happens inside your mind will invariably manifest externally. These will find manifestations in your immediate environment. Anger, depression, negativity, hostility, these will find expressions immediately in your environment. So it's not limited to verbal speech. Mental dialogue has uh, operates on a subtle channel all of its own, and there is a web of interconnected intellects. And so every time we give in to despair, anger, negativity, we're affecting everything on some on some subtle level. But the closer in proximity sentient beings are to you, the stronger they're affected. So, so you know, if you're uh, even the non-spoken energies, attitudes. If you're lonely and depressed, that's what you're sending out. That's what you'll get back. If you're in a relationship and you're not very happy and you think, well, I'll leave this as soon as I meet somebody, you're sending out a maybe. You're not sending out a conviction. You're sending out a maybe. You're like, well, I'm with this guy or this girl. I'll, you know, I'm just holding on for something better. Something better ain't going to come. And if it is, it's going to be a maybe. So if you send out a maybe, there's no strength of conviction. End it. End that relationship. Say, I'm done with this. Now I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for what is mine. I'm ready for that good one. Because how can you do it? You know, I mean, how, how how can you be with one person and attract another person? That, uh, you know, unless you're looking, uh, no, I don't, we won't go down that path. Um, there might be exceptions, but we won't go down that path. So if you want to manifest this loving romance, that's what you got to send out. And uh, if you want to get lonely and desperation, just sit around and say, well, I'm lonely. I'm desperate. Um, I've, I've heard – how many people How many people have you heard to say, I'll never find true love? I guess I'll never find true love. Well, guess what? You're, you're, they're right because that's what you're sending out, at least until they start changing their dialogues. And I, I've worked with people for years about this sometimes, and they'll just say, well, I went out. It didn't work. I'll never find true love. You went out once, yeah, and it didn't work, so I'll never find true love. Uh, okay, you didn't, go, you haven't gone out for two years, and your first date's a bus, so you'll never find true love. You know, and I, I gotta wonder how that date went. You know, uh, if, if somebody has a storm cloud like that over their head, how 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 much fun was that date? You know, uh, I've back in my single days, I've been on dates like that. Well, 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 my goodness, tell me what's going on in your life. Well, nothing good. Uh, Oh my goodness, really? Yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, you know, ever since my divorce, just nothing good happens, and I never get out, and just the kids are just brats, and oh, I just I, I just wish something good would happen sometimes in my life. And I'm thinking, I wonder how if I can um, pretend like there's an emergency at home or something and get get out of this date. Uh, it, it, you know, you're just looking to get out of a date like that. Who who wants to be around that? And I'm I'm sorry if that sounds like I'm not compassionate, but but truly, truly, this is this is a choice you make. This is a choice you make. Um, and the same applies to poverty thinking. If if all a person does is talk about how bad the economy is as an excuse, or oh, I'm not making any money, the economy's bad. There's a slump in the economy. I can't find a job. There are no jobs out there. Um, and, and they look at the, the terrible economic forecasts. Oh, it's going to get worse. I've heard since 1978 that the economy is going to collapse and we're going to have another Great Depression. I mean, people in terror, and usually they're corporate, you know, conservative corporate suit and tie people going, oh, my God, you know, I saw, you know, experts are saying that within two years we're going to be on a barter system because the American dollar is going to drop completely out. Since 1978, I've heard people say this authoritatively, and it's probably some knothead like Rush Limbaugh spreading this crap or Hannity or somebody. Authorities say that the economy will completely drop out, and the dollar will be worth half a cent within two years. And uh, so, if you, if your mind is set on this, and a lot of these guys they, they do, they lose their jobs. You know, uh, I'll I'll check with them. Well, yeah, I got fired, man. I got laid off. You know. Well, you know, no, no damn wonder. Um, you're you're looking for a disaster, and sure, it does come. So, the same applies to poverty thinking. If, if all you're thinking about is how bad money, how bad it is, and how hard it is to get money, you're never going to get ahead. Uh, there's a lot of people that go into uh, the spiritual business just for money, and they're always looking for a cash cow, looking for that big one. And even if they get somebody, and they're getting a thousand dollars a day from them, they always seem to need money. The, the mortgages always do. The car is about to be repossessed. No matter how much money they suck out of suckers, uh, they suck out of these poor people. Um, I've had clients call me and say, "Yeah, they charged me six thousand dollars to do this spell to get my guy back." Did he come back? No, but you know. And I'm thinking six thousand dollars. I'm not exaggerating. And then you know I look into it and find out who it is, and they're doing this. God, they got people doing it all the time, all the time, and yet. I look into it, and they're about to get evicted. Where's the money go? Well, you know, if, if all you're about is money, as soon as you get a dollar, you spend it. You know, you can't hold on to it. You just want more and more and more and more. So, I'll I'll tell you. Um, oh my goodness. Um, there's some uh, examples I had in my book, Crystal Magic. Um, here's some bad examples. For instance. Uh, um, had a client call, want to light a vigil service for, uh, let's say, Jerry to return to her, right? But she w- she didn't want to use her real name, so she gave her business address as No Place Like Home, and her name is No Place. So the petition that she sent, and I'm not kidding, said, ask God to make Jerry come back to No Place. That's how it worked out because she said her name was No Place. Make Jerry come back to No Place. That's not a good petition. And uh, another client had the name uh, rejected and posted a prayer for employment. So that 
that prayer turned out to be, you know, we see these on the Crystal Silence League a lot. Uh, it said, may I find a good job speedily, rejected. So do you see? <laughs> rejected. It's like a, like a stamp, rejection slip. So um, um, uh, you, you have to be careful of this. Um, you have to be careful. Now, why doesn't the law of attraction always work? Well, I want to tell you this. Um, there's some books that come out. Uh, more books on the law of attraction have been written than books on uh, how to lose weight without really trying. There's a lot of those, man. Um, lose weight and lose 10 pounds in 10 days without giving up any of your favorite foods. One of my favorite food is a bucket of warm lard a day. Well, yeah, you can eat that, man. You can eat four sticks of butter and a pound of lard a day, and you lose 10 pounds in 10 days with this miracle diet. Okay, yeah. all right. Here's it. Take my money now. So anyway, where was I? I just went off on a tangent. Uh, law of attraction, yeah. They don't teach it correctly. So here's what happens. People start practicing it. I affirm that I will have good tickets to the theater. Yay, I got them. I affirm I'll have a good parking place when I go to work. Yay, I got it. Well, then after a little while, it starts to go bad. And rather than good things happening, bad luck occurs. Now, in Buddhism, it said if you burn up all of your good karma – all you have left is your uh, bad karma. And that's something, somewhat, is what happens here. Somewhat. Follow me on this. Within each of us, we have a storehouse of positive attraction energy, like a magnet, right? That we call upon in times of emergency. If we know how to do it. Now, this is a limited amount of positive attraction energy. And that, I believe, well, actually, that I know this is what happens when most people are practicing the law of attraction. They are learning how to tap into that. Understand it's a limited amount, and then most people go crazy with it, and they say, I want this, I want that. Yeah, manifesting all this stuff. And the bigger your goal, the more energy it's going to take. And they use it up. And there's no way to charge it back. So new thought teachers recognized that this existed. And they also said, you must tap into the divine mind. You must tap into spirit. You must connect with spirit. You must do spiritual work to connect to spirit. Now, I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick story. Um, there was a... A fellow, I, I read about this. I didn't hear about this. I read about it. I, I can't remember where. Who uh, learned about the law of attraction? And he was a, a fellow. He worked uh, in a car lot. He was a car salesman. And uh, he, oh man, he wanted a. It was like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Let's say a Lamborghini. He wanted one so very, very bad. Well, he won a sweepstakes and uh, won a Lamborghini. It was just handed over to him. Well, okay, well then, when you win a sweepstakes, though, there's a tax involved. And to pay the tax on that Lamborghini, he had to take a second mortgage out on his house and, and gut his savings. Well, in about six months, he found out Lamborghinis are very expensive to maintain. And so he couldn't pay his rent, and uh, he had to sell his house, but he still had his Lamborghini. 
So he's living in an apartment now, and he's driving this Lamborghini, and he becomes such a dick because he's driving a Lamborghini, he loses his job. So now he's got no job. He's going to get evicted from his apartment, but he still has his Lamborghini. So eventually, he had to sell the Lamborghini and start to rebuild his life. So he was crying out, well, what good is this law of attraction? Well, I'm going to tell you that if you ask for something out of your reach, you might get it. I have these young guys call me, and they say, yeah, tell me how to manifest a million dollars. And I say, well, tell me your situation. Well, they're living in their mom's basement. I say, Man, manifest a job first. You got to do this in small steps. Manifest a job first, man. If you had some kind of position where you had a million dollars, you wouldn't be able to maintain it. And I said, if someone gave you a million dollars, you'd blow it in a year. I said, you don't. I said, manifest small successes. Let them go to big successes. This is something you learn the hard way, man. Don't. It's like I know young performers went out to Vegas and got shows, and then within six months they were. Uh, drunken wretches and got fired and lost their show and it set their career back not forward uh if you're manifesting love uh you know a lot of people i talk to they've not had a date in a year or two years and they want to meet their soulmate you're not ready to meet your soulmate just manifest a good date manifest one good date then manifest another then another man if you if you're not connected with somebody in that long and all of a sudden you meet your your true love Oh man, there's it's going to overwhelm you. Um, you. You won't know what to do. Manifest a good date. So yeah, I just want someone to ask me out. I want to find someone who, if I ask them out, they won't look at me like something to scrape off their shoe. Um, you know, like hey, you want to go out and you know have some coffee? Well, sure. You know, oh my God. <laughs> you know, then you go out and say, would you like to go out again? Maybe they'll say no. Maybe maybe oh I don't think so. Maybe they'll say yes. But you go out and you keep trying. Manifest a good date. Start small. Then build up big because it takes confidence, and you have to know what you're doing. Oh, my goodness, this hour has gone by so very fast. Um, next next week, we'll continue this discussion of silent influence, intention, power of the word, and we'll talk about the power prayer, which is what we do at the Crystal Silence League. Um, start small, build big, practice this, manifest something by the time we talk next week. Um, I'd like to hear tales of manifestation. What have you manifested? Understand that when you do manifest, you're manifesting from your inner storage battery, and you have to do spiritual work to do it. You also have to have insight into what to manifest. You know what is yours. That that Lamborghini was never that guy's. <laughs> you know that obviously because if you have something that's not yours, it's going to be taken away from you. I guess we'll see you next week. Uh, Come back for more on the um, Law of Attraction. See you then.